welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, today we take on another request. This was requested by Freddie, Darren, and Dave. Therefore, we put it along with a few other films in front of our patrons on Patreon and asked them, which of these would you like us to see? And overwhelmingly, they chose our movie today, The House of the Devil. And no, we are not doing the 1896 George Melius movie, um, <laughs> Le Manoir du Diable, uh, which is, <laughs> by the way, the very first on-screen appearance of a vampire. But no, uh, that one's only like three minutes long. <laughs> it, it wouldn't make for a very long episode. So instead, today we're doing the... Uh, 2009 Thai West movie, which is a bit of a retro throwback to those movies of the 70s and 80s. And for that alone, I enjoyed it. Now, I had seen this movie before. I watched this movie again during one of those months where I challenged myself to watch a horror movie a day during the month of October. I went back and I looked at my review. And at the time, I really didn't care for it. What I wrote at the time was that it was really slow and um, the payoff took a long time to get to. Up until then, it was more or less just kind of boring, and I thought long and drawn out, and maybe a too, little too stylish for its own good. But this time, watching it a second time, I guess maybe I was just more in the mood, because honestly, this is my kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, this is the kind of movie I really like. I think it's very reminiscent of like um, old Italian horror movies, those like satanic type horror movies of the late 70s and early 80s, like The Omen. And it's deliberate. Uh, Ty West, the director, very much tried to mimic that style and make a throwback movie that takes place in, it seems to be 1983. Yeah. Sure feels earlier than that. Um, it does. Yeah. It feels more late seventies, but you know, late seventies, yeah, early eighties, all kind of the same, same time. I guess. <laughs> There's no clear definition point where we go from you know, like uh, as soon as 1980 comes, everybody needs to put on all their you know spandex and neon, right? Go on step dancing to Debbie Gibson, right? <laughs> we get like a we get a couple years between to to make that transition. Um, but yeah, I, what I really enjoyed about this movie actually was that it was a bit of a throwback. Actually, strong Suspiria vibes from it. And so those movies did tend to take their time um, and be a little slower. And uh, I guess just this time around, I was more in the mood for it. So I think I enjoyed it a lot more. How about you, Craig? Uh, Have you seen this one before? I have. I've seen it before. I I imagine I probably saw it around the time that it came out, or at least around the time that it was released on video. Uh, I don't remember really what my impression was of it at the time. I, I think I thought... It was fine. Uh, it, it, you know, it is kind of a slow burn, but I think that's intentional. Like you said, it's very reminiscent of other films of this style. First of all, it's it's shot on sixteen millimeter, right? Mm-hmm. So it's got that kind of grain. grittier, yeah. yeah, video feel. You mean like the film grain type? feels yeah right yeah right right so right away and and that's not the only throwback i mean the uh, opening credit sequence uh is very reminiscent of movies from that era where you've got you know the bold yellow typeface you know introducing each actor with their character name and freeze frames uh (laughs) a long a long shot of our main character kind of walking through a campus and freeze frames as the names come up it feels very much in the vein 
of those types of satanic panic movies that were coming out at this time in mm-hmm. response to <laughs> Rosemary's Baby. Well, yeah. and just the cultural zeitgeist in general, you know, That's like uh, the 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 movie opens with a statistic, which I have no idea if it's true or not, but it sounds true. I believe it. It says during the 1980s, over 70 percent of American adults believed in the existence of abusive satanic cults. Mm. Another 30 rationalized the lack of evidence due to government cover ups. The following is based on true unexplained events. Now, that's a. Uh, you know, the, the unexp- it, yeah, true events is bullshit, but <laughs> right, right. But the rest of it, I remember. I remember the tail end of the satanic panic. You know when people. I do were too very- vaguely. I remember people worrying about there being like you know our children being indoctrinated with Satanism in like preschools and you know just weird you know, cults and, and uh, ritual sacrifices and black masses and orgies and all this kind of crazy stuff <laughs> right. that that sounds like, you know, great material for a horror movie, but there was a genuine concern that this was really going on mm-hmm. under the surface of American society, which on the one hand seems so stupid. Like, why would anybody think that? But you, I mean, look at... Especially in America, I'm not as, you know, worldly as you are, but, you know, in America, there are these far, I, I don't QAnon, mean to, ref- yeah, things like you that. know, these, these far right conspiracy theories, uh, you know, Pizzagate and you know, all yeah. of these, you know, the Illuminati and they exist um, on the left, too. You know, Bill Gates is out there to, to murder everybody and put microchips in them. Right. You know I mean? Exactly. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, again, it sounds to me, it sounds ridiculous, but there are really people out there who believe in these things. I, mm-hmm. I don't get it. I, I feel like. They must have a screw loose, but that doesn't keep them from getting into Congress. So, um, <laughs> sadly, right. Yeah. So I think that you know, like you said, like Rosemary's Baby, like The Omen, The Exorcist, all these other movies, it, it feels very much like it legitimately could have come from that era, almost like it's kind of a forgotten uh, film from that era. Yeah, and I think that in his attempt. To do that, and I think that he does it out of a love for those kind of films. Um, I think he's successful on that note. Yeah, by today's standards, it's pretty slow. Yeah, but it does a lot to establish atmosphere and suspense. And then there, there is a payoff. You know, the last ten, fifteen minutes get pretty exciting. But you do have to be patient and and wait for it. And I know, you know, we've talked about this movie has come up in our conversations before, and you have specifically said you didn't want to do it. And that may have been based on your first experience. But it it always kind of surprised me because you like Ty West. One of his other movies that we did, you recommended to me, The Innkeepers. Oh, God. And we both really liked that. It, too, was very suspenseful and atmospheric and, and slow. haunted housey. Yeah. Yeah, but the... But the difference between the innkeepers and this movie is this movie is basically focusing around one girl pretty much the whole time. Yeah. The innkeepers is very much kind of a buddy movie where we're with two yeah. people in that inn. And so it's like, yeah, the ghost story to me for that movie almost took a bit of a back seat to just the characters were so interesting and fun and seeing them hang out by themselves in this inn 
you know, it, it was just there was there was this other level to it, you know, whereas this movie, it's just basically this babysitter is in this house for a really long time. In fact, it takes her almost 30 minutes to even get to the house of the devil. And uh-huh. uh, it takes about 30 minutes to get to what we what you would see in a movie now would intentionally whip through in like the first five. Right. Literally, like the first five, you know, I think it's almost a, a mantra right now uh, that you need to get right to the point as fast as possible and avoid all this exposition and let the character stuff kind of come out later. Whereas I feel like earlier movies, particularly the movies of the 70s, which many people would argue is a renaissance just for film in general. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God, there were so many interesting movies in the 70s, but there was at least a thread of them, obviously very exploitative as well as movies that you know were just very character centric and so they really took their time in the beginning to just hang out with get to know some character get interested in them and then throw them into a messed up situation that they have to you know deal with mm-hmm. now it's like we get the situation there right away and we i feel like most screenwriting teachers today will teach that you need to develop character through the problem, through the action, through whatever they're going through. That's how we'll learn about the character by seeing how they interact with others and how they deal with these problems. Whereas this movie seems to take a long time setting up this girl whose name is Samantha as this pretty much broke, kind of despondent college student who just is worried about how she's going to pay for anything down on her money. And I'm not sure what else, but, uh, in any case, she just seems very lonely and very sad, but not like, you know, depressed. Just no. like, ugh, how many of us didn't feel this way in college at some point? Oh, exactly. You know? Oh, yeah. exactly. Just very real life. You know, she she's it, it, it seems like she's living in the dorms. She is uh, played, by the way, by an actress named Jocelyn Donahue, who I didn't specifically recognize, but she's done some stuff. You know, she was in Dr. Sleep, which I, I loved that movie. She was in a couple of the Insidious movies, so... She's been around. She's cute. She she's she's got a very Karen Allen look in this movie, don't you think? She does. I yeah. I was just gonna say she has a very seventies aesthetic. The the pretty thin, long haired brunette. Every girl, you know, like mm-hmm. I mean, she's definitely a beautiful girl, but she looks like somebody that you would run into on a, a college campus. Yeah, authentic. Yeah, she's living in the dorms, but she wants to get out, and and, and her roommate is a slob and I mean you just don't even really see anything of her roommate aside from the fact that she's like hoeing around and like her half of the room is just disgusting whereas Samantha's half of the room is pristine and so she's she wants to get out um, but of course you know just like all well everybody I knew uh, in college money's tight yeah um, but she's looking around the the very opening scene she's um, looking at an apartment looks like a nice apartment probably more expensive than I could have afforded in college and uh, the realtor is played in a cameo by D Wallace Your even favorite. though D Wallace yeah I, I love her and I had forgotten that she was in it and so to see her was just a treat I knew even not remembering I knew I'm like oh she's gonna play the realtor in this first five minutes and then we're never gonna see her again and that's yeah. absolutely <laughs> true even though she gets really high billing as she should Ooh, of course 
course, right? Well, you know, D. Wallace, <laughs> D. Wallace is a, is expensive nowadays, so he probably couldn't she afford is. to have her in the movie too long. <laughs> True, because I think the movie was made for like less than a million bucks. It was really, really low budget. Uh huh. And and for being so low budget, it actually looks good. You know, yeah. Um, Ty West, you know, he wrote this, he directed it, he edited it. This was very much kind of a one man project. Now, obviously, that's an overstatement. Uh, I'm sure there were many people working behind the scenes, but... But it's his vision. Yeah, his sole vision. Right. Yeah. Right. Very much. And so, you know, she uh, gets this apartment. The the realtor's ridiculously nice. Like, she agrees to waive all the deposits and things so long as she can put down the first month's rent, which is $300, which is totally fair. But, you know... She doesn't have $300. Which does make you wonder, what in the hell was her plan? I mean, you want to get out of the yeah. dorm so bad. You you were as broke and as without funds as you say you are. Forget about that first 300 How were you planning on coming up with the next 300 <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, she says, because she, she meets up, she, she walks around the campus for a long time so we can see the credits. And <laughs> she, on a bulletin board, you know, an outdoor college campus bulletin board, she sees a flyer that just says babysitter needed. That's it. Nothing else. And then it's got, you know, the slips of paper you can tear off with the phone number on it. So classic. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's, as far as I know, that's still a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember checking out those bulletin boards for stuff all the time. How long ago, Craig? Uh, 20... 22 years, something like that. So this thing that was 22 years ago is still a thing? (laughs) I mean, why wouldn't it be? Oh, sure. Of course not. Yeah, just like like, Really, what what advancements have we made? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, she she calls the number from a payphone, and she gets an answering service, and she leaves her name and her number and and says that she's interested in the job or whatever. And, And she starts walking away from the payphone and then it starts ringing mm. now that right away to me i don't what know like <laughs> can, can you even do that like can you star 69 a payphone like not, I, I don't not even... in 1983 i remember no, when star 69 not. came out that was late that was late that was almost that was either late 80s or early 90s before you could actually without going through a whole lot of effort you had to dial the operator and all this stuff know the number that just called you which actually yeah. sounds Sounds insane when you think about it now, but uh, right, right. Mm-hmm. But so you know, she goes back. She answers the phone, and this you know very calm male voice uh, says, "You know, we're we're desperate. We really need somebody. Can you meet me on campus? I, I'm not terribly familiar, but I know I can find like the student union building." And she says, "Yeah, I know where that is. I'll meet you there." So she runs home real quick to grab something, and then she goes um, to the meeting place, and she sits there for what seems like must be a very long time, and. Uh, eventually she just gives up and leaves. Uh, mm-hmm. She gets stood up. And she goes and she meets with her friend, whose name is Megan? Megan, yeah. yeah. Megan, who's played by Greta Gerwig. And I didn't recognize her, but that name sounded so familiar. I'm like, why is that name so familiar? Well, she is a working actress, but actually right now she's a very successful director. Oh. She just got a lot of acclaim for the newest uh, iteration of Little Women. She also directed Lady Bird, uh, which was hugely successful on a critical level. She's in production on a movie about like a Barbie, like a live action Barbie movie, which has been in the works for a really long time. Oh, wow. So she's really kind of hot in Hollywood right now. But it's interesting. We talked about this before too. Ty West is among this group of young filmmakers who seem to be peers and fans of one another and they help each other out and you see them 
pop up in one another's movies all the time. They'll like write for each other or they'll be actors in each other's movies. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. I think, I think, I could be wrong. I think Ty West appeared in Your Next. He did. Which was directed by another one of these guys. And Adam Wingard, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then one of the actors from Your Next, one of the main actors, the guy who plays Crispin, is in this movie mm-hmm. and has a pretty prominent role. So I'm just fascinated. Like, I want to be their friend. You yeah, know? right? Like, they, no, they're probably I... about our age, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like they'd be cool. We should, We'd get along. Yeah, we should, we should give them a call. We should, actually. We should get them on here. Do you think they get on our podcast with us? Maybe. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they would, actually. But uh, So uh, Sam explains the whole thing to Megan. Megan apparently comes from a wealthy family, and she's like, you know, I can always just get my dad to give you some money. But uh, she won't take it. Yeah, she's like, we're we're not there yet. You know, let's see what happens. Well, and, and can we talk for a second about the setting? I mean, he does. They do a fantastic job with the limited budget of really setting this like late seventies, early eighties tone. The pizza place where they're sitting in and eating is just like a pizza place from my early childhood. Oh yeah, with the Coke mm-hmm. cups that are you know wax covered and stuff, which. I guess they had to buy on eBay or something, you know, and, uh, right, right. and just the hairstyles and everything. And that music at the beginning is so good. It is, but it's funny. It's typical of these types of movies because yes. it feels it feels a little bit cheap. Like, yeah. they had to hire an inexpensive composer for this original music. And it's really just kind of the same melody on a loop. Oh, yeah. But... It is perfect it just, for the style of movie. Because of nostalgia, right? It, it sounds like mm-hmm. an Argento movie. It sounds like any yeah. of the, It sounds like, it, like honestly, like the score from any one of those Italian Jalo movies that we watched. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but sounds cheap deliberately, just like the movie kind of looks cheap, right? Yeah, but again, like in a nostalgic way, like yeah. it only looks cheap by today's standards. Correct. By the standards of the day, it looks fine. I mean, that's, that's what movies looked like. Um, or at least the movies that I watched. The low in that budget era. movies, you know, those, those these yeah. kind of movies. Yeah, they weren't right. I, I actually really enjoyed it. Like, Me too. It felt it felt very retro. Like I was watching something retro and cool. Oh, I know. <laughs> same here. Same here. I like when they're having this discussion over the pizza, and I thought it'd be significant, but it. Oh, I think it is kind of an interesting, significant point because, um, and this just occurred to me, but there's this point in here where Megan is like, God, this pizza tastes awful today. And I think that is a slight bit of like foreshadowing for a later scene. Yeah. But anyway, like one thing that she also says that's quite foreshadowing is... Did you go to the um, job board at the intern office? That ham-faced girl, you know, in my class? Yeah. She said there's good stuff there sometimes. No, I haven't been yet. Although it'd be cool to get something easy and under the table. That's what was so good about the babysitter thing. Yeah, but it could have been awful. You know? It could, could be from hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I don't think oh, I caught that the first so time funny. around, but it's hilarious. And she suggests just going around and tearing all of his posters down just to spite him. <laughs> yeah, just because he was a dick, just because he stood her up, which, you know, that is kind of a dick move. It is but... a dick move. So uh, she ends up getting a, a call 
from this guy again. Or her roommate gives her a message that he's called again. She calls back and he's he says, we are desperate. We need somebody tonight. It'll be an easy job and I'll pay double what I would normally pay. I'll pay a hundred bucks for the night. Yeah. And she's like, okay, cool. He gives her the address. She gets Megan to drive her out there. Now, it's also out kind of in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And I like that Megan is the smart friend like she kind of seems like the fun wild friend too but she's also the smart one like she's street smart yeah you're a young girl going out into the middle of nowhere to you know do a job for these people you've never met you know you don't have any idea what is going to happen um she says just let me stay with you she's like you know you don't have to split the money with me or anything just you know we'll hang out we'll eat some pizza i just want to make sure everything's kosher Mm-hmm. Sam's like, well, let's let's play it. Let, let's feel it out. Yeah. Um, Megan also confesses that she did go around and take down all of the other posters. <laughs> <laughs> she has them all in the car. It's funny. But at the same point, like by now, we are 30 minutes into the movie. It's uh-huh. It's been a long time. And it, most of it has just been following Samantha around, looking pensive and laying down in her bed and staring up at the ceiling and going out, going to the bathroom, turning on all the sinks and crying, mm-hmm. talking to herself in the mirror, walking around on campus some more. I mean, it's a lot of that that feels like, and again, I think intentionally, but because it's very typical of these old movies, but it, again, it feels like that kind of filler. All right, we get it. She is despondent in some way over money and stressed. Yeah, it takes a while to get to this point. I think with a first time i watched this movie i just wasn't in the mood i'm like oh my god you know just show me some action today i mean sure i'm stuck in my apartment i've been stuck in my apartment for almost a week now because i'm in china and they found some cases close to me and they told everybody in our community we got to stay inside so i had nothing better to do and i was really in the mood to just sit and and enjoy something intensely so uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I do think you have to be in the mood, you know. If, if, yeah. If you've got something, if you've got other things on your mind, if you've got other things to do, I, I can see how you would be looking at your watch. But if you're, you know, in it, you, know, <laughs> you explained your circumstance, so I'll explain mine. I'm at work <laughs> <laughs> right now. Ooh. <laughs> because uh, I, I don't know if this is just a thing that happens in my area or what, but it's always been this way at my school. I only teach seniors. I only teach college-level classes, so I only teach seniors. And it's the end of the school year, and uh, our seniors get out at least a week before the rest of the students in order to give the teachers time to grade finals and final essays and stuff like that so that we can be prepared for graduation the following weekend. But what that means for me is I'm still contracted to be here, but I don't have anything to do. I don't have have anybody to teach. My classes are over. Except sit here and talk about horror movies with me. Except sit here (laughs) with a sign on my door that says I'm in a Zoom meeting. (laughs) I mean, you kind of technically are. (laughs) I mean, I am, right? Yeah. Uh, We're doing literary criticism here, Craig, so don't... So I have all... Right. So I have all the time. I I read a book yesterday. I watched this movie yesterday. 
yesterday. It's 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 all good. That's you know, great. I'm here if if anybody needs help, but I'm not like you know going around and be like, hey, got something for me to do. <laughs> anyway, they they get to the house and, and it's a big you know. I read Fancy. some review some review that said it's like the house of the seven gables minus like three gables. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the four gables. <laughs> That's about right. It's like a Victorian style farmhouse sort of like middle American typical stuff. You'd find in Iowa yeah. if you drive through the really well-kept neighborhoods. Yeah. Right. We should also mention that on the radio on the way there, they heard on they heard on the radio uh, news about an eclipse that's happening that night. And Megan's even like, oh my god, I'm so sick of hearing about this eclipse. Like, well, like are you going to watch the eclipse? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's in there obviously, lot. We get sick of hearing about the eclipse. I know. It, but, you know <laughs> you just stick it in a bit much. In a movie called The House of the Devil, like you have to imagine that this is going to in some way be, be significant. significant. But they get to the house and they knock on the door. They go up there together. They knock on the door. And I loved, this actually may be one of my favorite shots. The way that it's shot, the, he shoots the girls in profile from the side. And the mm. door opens and a hand extends, I think, like for a handshake. And a very calm, quiet, male voice greets them but you don't see him right away you just see them looking at him and just him kind of being concealed and it's not like it's an extended moment it's just a matter of seconds but it just kind of made his character all that much more mysterious from the Mm -hmm. get-go it was a little ominous They're like, what does he look like? Is it why are they looking at him so weird? Uh-huh. Or, you know what? You know what's going on? He's tall. I think that's the main thing. He's really, really tall. He's played by Tom Noonan, and that name is so familiar to me. And I know that he's done a lot, but I just, I couldn't. Oh, I couldn't peg him. I couldn't. I, I didn't he's know where I knew so him so much. From. Well, he was in RoboCop too. Um, I remember him from FX. That's like an mid-80s movie but it's a great movie and then i think he also played the frankenstein's monster in the monster squad of all things i think you're right that's mm-hmm. what i know him from uh that's what i know him from uh and and he's you know, like you said he's tall but he, i mean he's not particularly threatening looking you know no. he seems like uh, a, quite the opposite really he seems like a kind of very soft-spoken old man sure you know? sure and he welcomes them and he 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 says what a relief to get this night behind us. But he's excited about the eclipse, but he immediately asks if he can speak to Sam alone. I hope you don't have a problem, but you have to understand that I, I'm only paying one person for their time. Oh, yeah. No, um, Megan's not staying. She's just my ride. I don't have a car, so she was just dropping me off. Oh, good. And, and please forgive me for sounding rude. It's, it's just that my wife is very on edge about this whole situation. You're not being rude. I understand. Unfortunately, uh, no. I'm afraid you don't. Excuse me? And then he confesses to her, and he's like, please don't freak out. But we don't really have a kid. He's like, no, we do have a kid, but our our kid has grown. What I really need you here for is to take care of my wife's elderly mother. Uh, and he said, and I, you know, I, I, I advertised for 
elder care, but nobody, you know, is interested in doing that for whatever reason. He's like, so I thought maybe the babysitting angle would would get somebody and um, you know, you called and another girl called and uh, I, I was going to go with the other girl but as soon as she found out what the job really was, she took off and um, I really desperately need you. And I really liked that at first, Sam's like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually smart for a while. She actually, is. She's not a stupid person. No. She's just maybe a little, slightly more reckless or trusting than her friend. Well, yeah. I think, you know... Uh, desperate, too. De- desperate, desperate, for desperate for money. And, you know, he just assures her. He's like, you know, you, you don't even have to do anything. You know, she's fine. She can take care of herself. She's very private. If she needs anything, she'll take care of it. He's like, I just need you to be here in case there's an emergency. You know, somebody to call 911 and, you know, take care yeah. of things. And she still says, look, I don't have any experience. I, I, I really don't feel comfortable doing this. And he says, all right, I'll double the money. I'll I'll give you two hundred dollars, and she doesn't really say anything, and he's like, "Fine, three hundred dollars," and she <laughs> just looks at him and says, 400 400 <laughs> <laughs> And I I love I four hundred dollars in the early eighties. I mean, crap, shit, I would do Even it too. Now, would you do it for? I do it for four hundred. It's four hours. I know four hours. Yeah, I I totally. You know, you can't you can't blame her. She needs money. You no. know, I I thought you know when he hit three hundred, I'm like, bam, there's the rent. You know, like you can't mm-hmm. turn that down. But I, I like that she she knew he was desperate. She could get another hundred bucks out of him. And she does. Well, Megan's pissed, but yeah, I mean, that's what she says to her. Megan, come on, wait a second. Are you out of your mind? Do you remember the game plan? The game plan was, if they're weird, we leave. This is beyond weird. It's mental. You know, they lied to you. They lied to you. I know. Okay, I know you're right. But it's $400. It's $400 for four hours? This equals first month's rent and then some, and all I have to do is sit inside and watch TV. It's too good to be true. Did you ever think it is too good to be true? (laughs) but she's like well i'm doing it you know you can be mad at me i understand but please just come back and pick me up at 12 30 and 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 she says she will now i'm not exactly clear on what happens next it seemed to me was megan's plan to drive away but to just drive a little bit down the road and wait in the car i'm not sure it seemed like she was cursing something i thought maybe something happened with her car it was overheating or something she needed to pull over i'm not really sure but she did seem to be cursing something or she needed her cigarette or i don't know what it was but you're right she ends up pulling away into a graveyard that they had passed by very very near to the house and just sits there and pulls out a cigarette you might be right though i I didn't really think about that part but anyway, she pulls away into the graveyard and she sits there and lights a cigarette using the car cigarette lighter. I, I just love these little moments, you know, mm-hmm. you can throw in there that are so retro. Uh, and then suddenly a hand shows up in her window that's rolled down with a lighter and scares the crap out of her. And Megan being Megan, I would have thought actually that she would have been a lot more freaked out here mm-hmm. and a lot more distrustful of this guy. That's one criticism I have here. It seems a little against character that as soon as this guy shows up, He's like a younger guy with a beard and, and whatever and, and pretty friendly, mm-hmm. but he's out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the in this graveyard yeah. in the middle of the night. Like, why would she be so trusting of him at, after? Oh, oh, God, you scare me. All right, whatever. He's like, it's cold out here, which seems to insinuate like he wants her to let him into the car. Uh-huh. And she just looks at him and goes, 
Yeah, uh-huh, so. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, he lights her cigarette. She lights her cigarette. She hands a lighter back to him, and uh, she he says, Are, aren't you the babysitter? And she says, no, I'm not. And immediately he whips out a gun and blasts her in the head. Blows her head off. Uh Before you can even blink. It's gross and sudden and interesting. And that gets your attention. Like Mm -hmm. a movie that has been so slow up to this point. And you're just kind of wondering, all right, well, it's a creepy guy in a creepy house. And yeah, we get, I mean, even in the house, it's slow. That whole bit where she was eating candy, I thought that'd be significant. Anyway, at the end of the day, she gets her head completely blown off. So suddenly, whoa, shit's getting real now. And the guy then hops in and starts to pull the car away. So like, okay, something very sinister is happening. Probably has something to do with the eclipse. (laughs) Right. But then the next, what, half hour is really just Sam walking around the house. Occupying herself. Yeah. And I I say that and it like that sounds super boring. And I I, I guess you could argue that it is. But, you know, it's... The house, you know, it looks great. It, it, it looks, I don't know, it looks like uh, some old spinster lady has lived there and hasn't changed anything, you know, in 20 years. It's a classic looking house. It's got stained glass windows and the whole nine yards, these really elaborate wooden banisters. Yeah, and it's got, big you know, kind of a, a second level. It has a sort of a little greenhouse in the second floor on the outside. And I mean, you're taken past all these parts oh she flips open a light and there's a pool table in there uh and then she goes crazy like putting on her headphones and dancing around and playing pool there's like a slight pool montage i think they're trying to make the house into like a character yeah maybe but it's not it never really achieves that i think i i again i felt very i felt very suspiria vibes here but not in a good way like suspiria has some real tension and some real mysterious things happen. Right. And here it's just, it's kind of the same thing, but without the tension. I right. Think. If you're, I think you're absolutely right. And, and, and it's trying to set up this haunted house vibe. It's very dark. I mean, it's, it's dimly lit. You know, there are places like when she's in the kitchen, the lights are on and it's bright, but the rest of the house is pretty dimly lit. And I, and I think they're trying to go for the haunted house vibe. She's hearing things, but nothing so, bizarre that you would really be terribly concerned like first of all it's an old house old houses make noise Mm -hmm. secondly she she knows she's not alone you know there's there is somebody else in the house so yeah it could be the old woman making noise this this whole thing the old woman upstairs was giving me major burnt Mm. offerings vibes um yeah like (laughs) mrs allardyce in the uh, attic or whatever what a great movie yeah but again, not much happens. Um, she does uh, at one point. She breaks a vase and she goes to clean it up. And in cleaning it up, she finds some photographs. And I didn't understand what was happening here. I had to. It, I had to read about it to understand. I what think was I know. Here. Well, I didn't read it. about it. But I think she finds these photographs in the attic, uh, and they're of a family. It's like two people and a kid but they're clearly not the couple that she met oh i guess we we missed we forgot to say that his wife comes in yeah vivian before he leaves his wife comes in the 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 back door it's well like i don't know through the kitchen or something and kind of surprises her while she's waiting and and he's upstairs talking to mother this is mary warrenoff uh-huh um 
who's another great cameo, you know, and she's been in a lot of movies that we've reviewed. Chopping uh, Mall, Night of the Comet, I think. She, she was the wife in Terror Vision. You know, yes. She, she, she popped up in all, all of those, pretty much almost every other movie I would see on USA Up All Night, like would have her in it, it seemed like, whether it was a horror movie or a sex comedy. It was like she'd be in it. And yeah, so she has kind of this role where she sits down, she gets a kind of cozy to her and is talking to her and is oh, asking her all these personal questions about, you know, how, how old is she? And, oh, is she like school? And, oh, you look like you might be too young to be in college. And she's kind of touching her hair and touching her shoulder. And all this is filmed in, in like much of this movie and like many of the movies of these era, you know, they would really get close on someone's face. Lots of really close, tight shots to show you the expressions and people's faces and their eyes and to kind of imply extra emotional significance and so it is a bit of a creepy scene she comes off as pretty creepy yeah one of the things that i wanted to ask you because i don't really know the difference i I read that another one of the um, old school techniques that west used was that he did a lot of zoom shots where it would zoom up in close on a character um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to today it's it's more common for those shots to be done using a dolly now right is there what's the i mean i i understand you know you you push zoom you know or or Mm -hmm. or adjust you know the lens or whatever to zoom and i understand that a dolly you physically move the camera but is there a significant difference in effect yeah, you. I mean, if you saw it side by side, you'd immediately know it. A zoom essentially just blows up the picture. So it looks like you're getting closer, but it's just really more or less blowing up the picture. And whereas a, a dolly, when you're physically moving the camera through, you can, to some extent, you know, see objects go past the camera. Mm. You know, ah, um, okay, and, that makes sense. And so you'll see a you'll see a continual sort of change of perspective as though you're moving through the room. Whereas a zoom, you know, very much just looks like you're blowing up the shot. Gotcha. Um, and I think that's why it's not used so much anymore is because it doesn't um, it doesn't have quite the emotional impact. Although, I mean, I would argue it has its place, but it's mostly the effect nowadays tends to look a little more corny. But yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. They do use a lot of zoom in this as well. He's really judicious with it. And I thought to good effect. Getting back to those photographs, like you said, it's a family and at least one of the pictures, it's a family standing in front of the car that they had Mm -hmm. seen when they pulled up. Yep. And that the the almonds or whatever their names are had Got left into. in. Right. So it, it seems to kind of show that this picture shows a family that's no longer living in the house. Well, you would think, okay, well, the house has new owners, except the new owners also have this car. Why would that be? It, right. And she goes out and she looks and she sees that there's a, a like a van out there. And we see that that guy who killed Megan is still lingering around He's like lingering yeah she also at some point orders pizza because mr allman had told her to like three or four times <laughs> yeah he mentions it to several times and he comes off as a guy who's just a little absent-minded yeah or maybe even in the early stages of dementia Mm-hmm. which he might be but possibly you know, the fact that he is suggesting pizza so many including on his way out the door uh-huh. oh, by the way don't forget the pizza don't forget slam the pizza. <laughs> I think it's very soon after this that she is she's cleaning up 
the the stuff and she's still hearing noises and she's kind of looking around and she's she's scared i mean i i've done that i've babysat you know not since i was a teenager but you know big old houses in the woods and you do kind of freak yourself out when you hear all these noises stuff so she's walking around with this knife at one point she stands outside a door on the second or third floor and she knocks lightly on it and says mrs ullman which doesn't make sense because he said it was his wife's mom so it shouldn't be mrs ullman but whatever it doesn't matter there's no response and she doesn't go in the room but the camera does Mm -hmm. and we see it, well, first of all, it's very dark. I mean, you, you definitely get the it's impression. Hard to make out. Uh, you de- yeah. I mean, it, f- for sure, without question, there are bodies in there. It's three bodies, and one of them has been cut open and is in the middle of a pentagram spread out as though it's like a ritualistic killing, and then two other bodies next to it. And I got the impression that this was the family yeah. from that photograph. I think so. I, I think that these people are not who they claim to be. Well, Actually, I know that because I've seen the rest of the movie. But um, they're not who they claim to be. And I don't think this isn't their house. They they came here and killed the owners of the house and are now posing as the owners of the house. Yeah. Why is this a special location? Maybe it's you know maybe this particular area is the best place to experience the eclipse. I have no idea. Well, he more or less says that right directly to her when the two girls are there and he's sitting with them. One of the first things he mentions to them is, oh, he implies that they're going to see the eclipse and that's why they're here. And he says, oh, you guys are so lucky. Like, this is the best place uh, in the you know world to view the eclipse. It's like an astronomer's paradise. That's and right. Says, that's right. Are you an astronomer? And he's like, no, no. Not exactly. Hey, can you come into the kitchen, please? <laughs> just kind of changes the subject. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she keeps getting spooked out by things. Like, I feel like at one point she finds a bunch of hair in one of the bathtubs. And- yeah, it, it slips back into this, right? It's almost like the movie needed to provide the audience some jolts in order to keep us from falling asleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like her friend gets shot. Okay. And then that sustains us through like like 20 more minutes of her just wandering around the house and mildly being spooked. And then, oh, we see that that family is slaughtered on the other side of the door. And that then is supposed to sustain us through another 20 minutes of her doing the same thing. <laughs> you right. know? But eventually, the pizza comes. We don't see the pizza guy until after she's already taken the pizza. But when she closes the door, we see that the pizza guy was the guy who killed Megan. So all of this seems it, – it's, it's becoming very obvious that this is all some sort of setup. I mean, not that it's not really kind of suggested from the beginning. I mean, it is. But mm-hmm. the pieces are starting to come together. And she takes like a bite of the pizza and sits down to watch TV. But then she makes like a sourpuss face. Like the pizza doesn't taste good. Mm-hmm. She takes it and she throws it away and she drinks a bunch of water and kind of washes, rinses her mouth out. Again, noises. She's looking around. But I don't remember if something particularly scary happens. Oh, yes. She goes up to the attic and she pulls the, the string for like the hanging light and it blows a fuse. But it takes out all the electricity in the whole house, except for she's standing near a door and there's still something illuminated and she sees footsteps walking by. Yeah. So she's very frightened. She runs out, but at the same time, she's clearly getting dizzy. And it's completely obvious that the pizza was drugged, and she is drugged now, and she eventually passes out on the floor. I have to feel at this point, 
are we about an hour and 20 minutes into this 90-minute movie? Oh, it's almost <laughs> over. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's yeah. almost over right now. And then when she wakes up, actually, I liked, again, it was very stylish. And once again, movies from this era did these kind of cool stylistic things a lot of times because they didn't have a lot of money to other things. But, um, you know, the lights are flashing, not literally, but there's a flash of a red moon two mm-hmm. or three times and then a flash of a candlelight and then a flash of her and she's laying on the floor gagged and bound across a pentagram and it just goes on full-on satanic cult at this yeah point. <laughs> she's surrounded by lit candles she's in a white dress mm-hmm. uh-huh. and it is i mean like they don't waste any time she wakes up she starts screaming the uh almonds come in in dark hooded robes it's the couple the older couple both of them and the younger guy who killed megan who they never i don't think they ever say this but it's it's their son must be their adult son um he's he's billed as victor but i don't even remember if they ever say his name and then (laughs) the uh old lady character is there too and i don't even know what like she doesn't she doesn't just look like an old lady she looks like some sort of like demony witch monstrous yeah. she's got this monstrous face yeah that had to have been done with prosthetics and i don't know uh if it was meant you know if she was like some sort of demon or some sort of witch or if she's just horribly disfigured for other reasons i have no idea but it's this whole ritual where the witch lady pulls up her dress and draws a pentagram in blood on her abdomen places a goat's skull on her abdomen cuts herself and bleeds into the goat skull uh and then forces samantha to drink it and all of this happens, you know, like in a minute. Mm-hmm. And then Sam thrashes her arms and legs around, frees herself of the binds, and grabs a knife, and I'm pretty sure it stabs the old lady, mm-hmm. and then and then runs out, stabs Mr. Ullman on her way out. <sighs> yep. She's quite efficient at this. Loses the knife. Must have lost the knife in him, right? Because then uh, yes. she... She she runs up into the kitchen. She trips over. For some odd reason, the son dragged her friend's body, all blood-filled and everything, into the kitchen at the top of the stairs. And she trips over her friend's body. She's like, oh, no, my God, Megan. Grabs the knife where she had left it on the table. Starts to run upstairs, which I'm not quite sure why. And then... Um, as she kind of trips over the stairs and is up on the landing and, and on her back, um, the guy comes up who's kind of sans eye at this point with a, with his gun and shoots her straight in the shoulder. And so she falls back. Uh, but then she, you know, as he approaches her, she just slashes him in the jugular and takes him out. Yeah, I forgot. She she had all on her way out. She had gouged his eye out with uh, yeah her, with her thumb. But yeah, I mean, she's quite effective. I was very surprised that he shot her. First of all, because you typically don't see guns in these types mm, of movies. True, it's usually some other type of weapon. So when he just pulled out a gun and shot her, um, I was shocked. Of course, you know, like she she gets shot in the shoulder. She like jerks back for a second, and then she's fine. <laughs> Right for the rest of the movie, yeah, <laughs> right. to stop her. <laughs> but yeah, she picks up the knife off the floor and just swings her whole arm around, just slices his throat wide open, and he dies. She runs again upstairs, I think. Then the mom, like they end up in a room together. Does the mom kind of take her out 
momentarily. Oh, not really. The, she's just kind of laying there and she just goes up to her and she's just like, no matter what you do, it won't stop. It can't be stopped. It's going to work in spite of you, you little bitch. Uh-huh. And, then, and then mom just like walks towards the window, takes her wig off and starts praying to the moon, just uh, totally leaving her back exposed uh-huh. for Samantha to just stand up and stab her in the back, which uh-huh. she does. And so she's taken out, but then she runs downstairs and she's chased by um, Mr. Ullman and they go down to the graveyard and there's kind of a little showdown in the graveyard. And she, but now, by now she's picked up the gun. Yeah. You know, he's, again, still very soft-spoken. He seems very calm, more or less, about the situation. She's having visions. Um mm. Uh, of the witch of the witch lady and it, and it's very it's it's quick like flashes of just that woman's face and and blood and weird stuff it um it reminded me of the exorcist you know those yeah. those just those really quick flashes of the demon's face these are these are maybe you know a split longer. second longer um the, the in the in the exorcist they were almost subliminal um they're not subliminal here you you certainly see it um but there's there's clearly something happening what have you done to me <laughs> they're calling to you just just listen to them He's given the sign. He's chosen you. It's your destiny to accept him. No! Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Kill me if you want. I'm just a messenger who who carries out his words. Um, she's also having stomach pains. It's obvious that she is supposed to carry the devil's child uh, yes. or, or something. She's like a five-minute Rosemary's baby. Uh-huh, basically. uh-huh. <laughs> like, like minute rice, you know, that's basically <laughs> what this is. <laughs> and, and, and so she's pointing the gun at him, and he's like, fine, if you need to kill me, that's fine. He's like, I'm just a messenger, you know, it's just my job to see that his will, you know, is done. And so instead, out of nowhere, I guess she just makes the decision that whatever is going to happen, she must put a stop to it. So she puts the gun to her head. And I think that he says no or something, but she pulls the trigger. I mean, you know, gun to the head pulls the trigger. Yeah, should be dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Cut to black, come back in, you know, bright. Uh, and we're focused on a television that is reporting on last night's eclipse, and scientists are stumped because the ending of the eclipse, like once once the eclipse had hit full eclipse, then the moon moving out of the shadow of the Earth. Faster than ever thought possible. Right, faster than predicted or ever thought possible. Okay. Uh, and and we, we find that we're in a hospital, and the camera walks down the hallway and into a room where we see Samantha... Uh, laid out on a hospital bed, her head completely wrapped in bandages, her face entirely, you know, bruised. And a nurse walks in and gives her an injection and pats her on the head and says, don't worry, honey, you're going to be all right. And then she pats her on the abdomen and says, both of you. And then she walks away. And the frame freezes on Samantha laying in the bed and the credits start Mm -hmm. popping up. And you know, the, the, I liked that we we you didn't get um, a view of the nurse. You just saw her uniform. You never saw her face. I thought that was kind yeah. of ominous. I thought that it was ominous that m- maybe the suggestion is these people, these Satan worshippers, are a network. 
Um, mm-hmm. So she's no, she's not out of danger. Yeah. I mean, she's surely brain dead. <laughs> I don't I mean, know. Gun to your head and sh- pull the trigger? I don't yeah. I mean, I know that it's possible. I know that people have survived such things, but it uh, seems pretty unlikely. But that's it, and that's the end. And it, it, it's bleak, which I, I think it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just uh, recently watched uh, Shudder has this series called Cursed Films, uh, and they have a, a second season out now, and one of them is Rosemary's Baby. And so I was watching that and some of the mysterious things that happened surrounding that production, and it inspired me to go back and listen to uh, our episode on Rosemary's Baby. And these, they're, they're so much alike. And we just absolutely gushed about rosemary's baby as as well we should have but in mm-hmm. listening to that it, it, it have after watching this and then listening to that i thought you know what ty west really made a good tribute to to these types of movies is it mm. is it going to go down as a classic like rosemary's baby or the omen no i don't think so but as an homage I think it's it's really skillful i i, I think mean, that he accomplished what he set out to accomplish undeniably stylistically the visuals the music you know kind of kind of the pacing in in a certain way i think definitely definitely a clear homage um but number one he didn't do anything new with it which is fine nobody requires that some people choose to do that with their homages and kind of take things you know shake it up a little bit he didn't but also you know the tension is just different i i feel like he's again i was in the right mood for this movie, so that's why I enjoyed it the second time around. But I've still got to say, overall, just objectively speaking, the tension from Rosemary's Baby comes from things happening. Mm-hmm. It's a quiet movie, yes. It is a slow burn, yes. But that's because mysterious things are happening all the time, and you're constantly questioning what's going on, and and you're you're questioning is this real? Is this kind of like are we making a, a lot to do about nothing? You know, is she going crazy? Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on in your head while you're watching the movie so there is a build-up of mysterious stuff um mm-hmm. this doesn't do that at all really it's a lot of just her just being around in a quiet supposed to be spooky place um occasionally investigating a noise and the two things that happen are not just like mysterious ooh, it's like do, woman gets shot in the head <laughs> mm-hmm. it's pretty bold and then oh there's a slaughtered family that's been ritualistically sacrificed uh in the bedroom that she never sees mm-hmm. you know and those are the only two significant things that happen for the majority of the movie until the very last eight minutes where suddenly she's in this peril and she immediately gets out of the peril she does a pretty good job of defending herself uh, and then the the movie's over, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, uh, that's my criticism of it. It's aspiring to duplicate those movies and probably does. Some of, some of them were probably equally as slow. Mm-hmm. It has the stylistic look of Rosemary's Baby, but none of the tension and atmosphere that Rosemary's Baby was able to achieve through its really skillful plotting. Right. I mean, it's not as compelling a story. It's just not. But overall, I I think uh, it, it's it's a it's a good movie. Um, mm. It's worth watching. It's well made. Um, it's it's well acted. Really fun kind of retro throwback, especially if you're fans of those movies, which we are. Yeah. I mean, you've even made me a fan of some of those giallos. Like um, I don't remember the what was the one that we just watched recently about the uh, 
kids were like going to prostitutes or something. So the priest. Oh, don't uh, don't torture duckling. Yeah, yeah it kind of had similar vibes to that and other movies like that. Mm-hmm. And and so if if you like those things, which I do, and I know you do, I think that you will enjoy this movie. But you know, it's not really a sit around and goof on it kind of movie. It's it's a it's more serious. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I recommend it. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. I think it's a good movie. I don't love it. I'm not going to, you know, people, what's your favorite horror movie? Well, not this one, but uh, I still, I appreciate it for what it is. Uh, well, thank you again for listening to our episode. Thanks, big thanks also to Freddie, Darren, Dave, and our patrons on Patreon for um, making this episode happen. If you would like to similarly influence the movies that we choose in the future, go over to patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast and consider uh, being a patron of this podcast. Uh, that's one of the benefits you have, along with several others. We've just released a mini We've got another mini coming up. That's another benefit for our patrons, as well as some other little goodies like a, um, a discussion board that uh, you can access just to talk amongst yourselves and with me and Craig, uh, and also uh, an exclusive 90-minute interview going a little bit deeper into our personal lives and some of the background behind the podcast. That is patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast. You can also find us on our Facebook page and our website. Uh, just Google Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast or go to twoguys.red49.com. Leave us a comment in any one of those places. Let us know what movies you'd like to see coming up in the future and what you thought of this episode. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. We have Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Ah!